0: It's like everybody else is awful compared to this girl, Suzanne Vega. She was a Barnard yeah. student. I said, Okay, you definitely can be in the Fernal F She was in nineteen seventy nine the <laughs> Fernal Folk Fest, my senior year. It was unbelievable. All right, John Collier. This is just fascinating to me. Did you did it kind of like backdoor its way, but did you how did stitches and sutures really light your fire of all the things you could do as an engineer, as a biomedical engineer. How did this come about that you chose this path?
1: You know, it's, it's really around helping people. And, you know, I was pre-med and, you know, always loved the medical field, always loved helping, you know, helping people. And, and, uh, when the opportunity arose, you know, I, I, I came into Ethicon on the front end, what we call the front end of the suture. So I came in on the needle side of the suture, hmm. which is, uh, you've already spoken to Frank, Frank Chahoky, and right. learned a lot about the needles. But, um, you know, eventually I um, I took over the um, the uh, our antibacterial plus suture line of uh, sutures, the R&D efforts around that. And so
0: that led to you discovering more and more of the polymers. So these are synthetic chemicals that you can talk to our body and understand how our body would treat these certain chemicals. And on the other hand, you also then have to spend the other half of your life figuring out, wait a minute, I now have to make a polymer that the body, with its own best efforts, can never
1: disintegrate, correct? Correct, correct. And the, and the thing around the absorbable suture, it's one thing for the, for the material just to go away, It's absorb into the body, but, you know, there's certain functional characteristics that you have to hit. And, that, and that's where the scientists, you know, the, in our group are just amazing. Um, you know, the first suture that, that was launched was Vicryl, you know, our Vicryl suture that, you know, first the synthetic absorbable suture that we launched was our Vicryl suture back in 1974, wow. you know, and, and it was designed to, to hold the tissue together for a certain amount of time and then absorb after that. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the key part is, you know, it can be absorbable suture, but it needs to, it needs to do its job. So it needs to be there for a certain amount of time and to hold the tissue together. And that's really where the the criticality and, and just, you know, the expertise of a polymer scientist in the group are just, you know, like I said, it's amazing.
0: Is the person who
1: dreamed up Vicryl still alive? <laughs> you got me on that one, you know, with, um, with Frank Jihaka, when you asked if I was still alive. Yeah,
0: it wasn't uh, you. You weren't. No, you <laughs> were still in college.
1: Well, but when you asked Frank about whether I was still alive, it became a joke at, at work where they're kind of kidding around. <laughs> like, hey, is he still alive? Um <laughs> I'm not sure. I I don't think that the person who, who dev- actually developed the Vicryl suture is still around. So, mm. um, was it I one guy wrong. or was it a committee? Wrong. Most likely a number of people. So I don't I don't have the history of Vicryl of who you know the development of, of the Vicryl suture It was well before me. Mm. Uh, but and, and but we've made we've made we've made improvements over the years with, with um, you know with that suture in particular. And Vicryl. Correct me if I'm wrong, because and I've used it a million
0: times is a braided suture, right?
1: Correct, correct. It's, so, it's the most well-known suture in the world, and it's yes, it's a braided suture. Uh, when it first came out in 1974, it was uncoated. So you know the you know the importance of a coated suture, correct? Or no, to, I want you to, to teach the
0: audience the difference between okay. monofilament, braided. Why would one be
1: necessary or desired versus not? Okay. So the Vicryl Suture was the first uh, that we developed in 1974 and it was uncoated. It's a braided suture. So you have with the braid versus a monofilament, you have kind of the suppleness of a, of a braid. It, it's, it doesn't have the memory that a, that a monofilament suture would have. The problem is that, you know, uncoated when you're, when you're pulling the suture through the tissue, you get some drag, some, some trauma on the tissue. So in 1979, we, we developed a coated uh, Vicryl Suture and the, the, Importance of that was it reduced tissue drag, the trauma, as well as it, it made it easier for surgeons to tie the knockdown. Um, and then after that, we started developing monofilament sutures. So the difference between the monofilament and the braid, like I said, the braid is more supple; it doesn't have the memory. It's easier to tie down. The monofilament ha- is just a single strand. It, it you have less tissue drag through you know through the body. It does have memory. The, the downside, it has some you know. the it does have some memory to it. It's a little more difficult to, to tie the knot down.
0: Teach us a little bit about my favorite word in tying knots and sewing up people after I finish their surgery. What exactly spitting a stitch is? Because Vicryl was notorious. It was the first, so it gets a lot of credit for being the first. But one of the problems I had as a surgeon, and we all did, was the whole idea of Vicryl and and spitting a stitch. What does that mean?
1: And sub, subcutaneous suturing, right? Yes. Uh, so the spitting is so the way the way these sutures break down, the moisture gets in, the water gets into the suture itself. It, it goes totally throughout the suture, and then it starts to break the polymer chains down. So you, you'll get some pieces of, of the suture that actually the body wants to to get foreign bodies out of the body, so it'll start to force its way up through you know through the skin. Mm. So that's what's considered suture spitting. You, you, Get these little pieces that may stick out on the um, in your skin,
0: which can secondarily get infected. They become red, they start to ooze, and you can actually ruin a beautiful operation if the body decides. And it may be also it's not only the engineer's fault; it's the surgeon. Some people they'll tie ten knots to hold. You know, hey, after the third or fourth knot, it's enough already. But they'll make a big bulky mass. The surgeon will. And that's a big mess of something foreign, and the body sees it as a wooden splinter. It starts to try to reject it, and that's a problem. You really need to avoid that and feel comfortable that after the third knot that you're tying, when you tie the two uh, ends together, it's enough. You should stop, but some people don't. They just keep going, and they create too much of a foreign mess for the body to have to absorb. And the
1: monofilaments typically are larger, we call them knot towers, but they typically have a larger knot tower than something that would be a braided suture. But absolutely right. Yeah, they want to make absolutely sure that that suture is holding, so they'll throw extra knots in there. Hmm.
0: And teach us a little bit about the different, how many different sutures does
1: Ethicon make? um, Well, suture families, I think there's, oh boy, over 15 or so suture families. But when you really get down to the different types and different needle codes, there are thousands and thousands of different needle codes, whether whether the, the diameter of the suture, the length of the suture, um, the needle type that's used, you know, we, we make thousands of sutures and, and basically you make enough suture, I think, to reach the moon every year. So, wow. you know, that's how much suture we produce every year. Yeah.
0: Wow. And did it truly start with cat gut?